Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, 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 good. As good as can be, considering the times we're in. Absolutely, absolutely. At least we're here together in London. How have you been? Good. You know, I think it's also that season where you kind of have to be grateful for the daily. Yeah. So, you know, while I'm not saying we should forget about our own everyday mm. lives and what's wrong with it, but then you just, you know, considering we're in a global pandemic of uh, epic proportions. Yeah. I guess you, I've sort of gotten my mind used to saying yes. good. Yes. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Because you're just grateful you're here. Exactly. And it's another day and... Yeah, well, exactly. some people don't have that privilege or that opportunity. So Same. You look lovely. I love so that do head, you. You know, headpiece turban. So do turban. you, my little turban. It's so really do you. Nice. I love what you're wearing. Thank you. But Thank I love you. what you said because I feel the same way. I feel like the way that I'm speaking now on my language this year has been like completely reshaped by the year that we've had. I'm saying things like I'm grateful, I'm appreciative because it's kind of taken us down to just these little things oh, that we yeah. have to be appreciative for. And... Like you, I'm in London right now, but, you know, I'm typically meant to be in Los Angeles. So mm. I think it's just like redefining what this year is going to be and where we're going to be mm. this year and how we still do our work. I know. In the same way. Work in, in all of this, you know. Exactly. Family life, work life. And, you know, you still you still want to be yourself. Exactly. Through that whole process and not lose the essence of who you are. So. Yeah, Exactly. It's just, um, I was thinking about how, what's happened with like the two pandemics, because we have COVID and then we've had the kind of the race pandemic as well oh, and how it's true. impacted our industry. Um, I mean, how has it been for you? Because you work with like emerging brands, established brands, how have they been? I have to give, you know, I have to, that's a, that comes with a deep sigh. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoosh. Yeah. It's been... It's not been easy at all, yeah. you know. Um, it's funny because we had, I, I sort of had like a great start to the year. Yeah. You know, it's our 10th year anniversary this Congratulations. year. Congratulations. Can you believe it's 10 years? I can't believe it's 10 years, you know. I mean. And primarily because, you know, I just think in my head, there's still so much we haven't done. Yeah. There's still so much that's wrong. There's still a lot that's missing. And not to be so hard on ourselves, I know that it's only 10 compared to most um, global fashion systems that are probably in there into decades, you know. But I guess I'm just Ten mindful. significant. I know, I'm just mindful that there's still so much missing. Really? So, but, you know, at the start mm. of the year, I got myself into, oof, you know, 10 years. Sometimes, yes. you know, you, you know, everyone started the year on <laughs> yeah, that note. Like absolutely. 2020, Wish you list. know, the <laughs> <laughs> you know. I have no idea where my wish list is now. It's like I'm just mean, something like, gone. It's gone. It's gone. Like the wish list has been cast aside, kind of thing. Yeah. I can't believe it's ten years. It's actually actually last year was ten years of red carpet green dress oh, as well. Wow, well right. Done. But I can't believe like you, it's just it's kind of a decade, but still it's a significant so milestone. So this is a good year. What happened yeah. after ten? That's what I'm you know, everyone's yeah. been asking me what's next. I'm like, I'm just trying to get through ten. Exactly. We can have this conversation next year. So tell me. What's, what's it been like? I feel like with 10, when you hit a decade, there's like a bit more gravitas behind the brand because you've shown that you can kind of last the test of time. Mm. You've shown that you're resilient, that you can weather the storms and that you're here to stay. And I do feel that once we hit 10 years, the way that we the brand started to interact with us was with, I would like to say, a bit more respect mm. um, and a bit more deference in the sense that, okay, you guys know the lay of the land. You've mm -hmm. been in this for a while. Mm -hmm. 
And I think when you've been in something for 10 years, you've seen it change shape. Like you must have seen yeah, definitely that fashion scene just completely it's evolve changed, and change. Evolved completely. I mean, because it took, considering it took us four years to even start, four wow. years of concept of knocking on doors, looking for people to believe in you, oh believe in your vision, believe in your story, believe mm. in, you know, maybe a slightly different approach from yeah. what people are used to, mm. from seeing fashion as entertainment yeah. and, you know, just the idea of the bigger, the better, you mm. know, the more international stars and superstars, mm. then that's what gives it credence or val exactly. validation. And we're just like, okay, you know what? We're the tiny guys. We're yeah. here, but we're willing to get our hands dirty. Exactly. You know, to see how much work we can do here and focusing on, you know, how do we provide opportunities mm -hmm. for access to markets? How do we, you know, focus on cap cap um, capacity development right. and just, you know, just do things differently to being to meeting with resistance and then exactly. still going ahead to start and then first year with all the challenges boy i was gonna ask <laughs> you because the first year they say is always the hardest so it feels like it's been 15 years really like you know people are like 10 years i'm like hmm, four years before yeah then. four years before that exactly the seed the seed yeah. but I, I always get curious um because with with me i always think about like the seed the moment when i realized that i want to do this thing mm -hmm. and it was always like there's always i feel like an impetus or a thing that makes you get off it's like the analogy of like sitting on a nail and you've just got so uncomfortable that you have to get off it's like what was yes. that thing what was that moment and for me, with red carpet, green dress, I've been working in fashion for so long. Mm. I worked in PR and marketing and I had my own label for a bit. So when yeah. you talk about brands, it's like I'm, it's tough, the struggle. Um, but I've always felt that something was missing in terms of I didn't feel like I was doing better for more than myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be part of something that did better for the environment, for communities. Yes. And when I happened into sustainable fashion, because it was an accident, mm -hmm. I found that that's what I needed that was missing, being part of something that looked at global communities, that looked at the earth, that looked at the impact beyond making something that was beautiful. But I was so curious about like you and your moment when mm -hmm. you realize I want to create this thing because it's not here. But was there a person or a moment or something that made you want to do that? So I think I can actually be precise and tell you <laughs> when that moment was. I, I think it was um, probably 2007, mm -hmm. 2006 um, mm -hmm. in Nigeria. They always had shows called St. Moritz. A style selection right. it was um usually by i think a cigarette brand and you go to the shows and it was huge it mm. was like a massive production mm. and i was a stylist at the time and i'd actually i think i was a fashion editor of a lifestyle magazine nice. and if i remember correctly i was pregnant with my second daughter or wow. something or just had a baby or something i'm not quite sure and i was sitting there and i'm just like and the lights went out samata and i thought wow so is this the end? Wow. Like all of this, I looked around me, you know, all that money, the designers, the fretting backstage and yeah. I'm like, wow, is this really the end? Exactly. And it was the end because, you know, the sponsors already had what did their mileage, everything. And then the designers were saddled with all of this collection and what to do with it. And not that things have changed significantly since then, I was considering say... the evolution of the natural evolution of the industry, or should I call mm. it the ecosystem mm. but that was my defining moment like oh i wonder if we could do things differently. differently i must confess in hindsight i think um i just took it for granted that it would be so easy yeah. you know i really thought i was i don't know like you know have a you magic wand you just go in and 
you but know, it's good is... that you thought that way because I almost feel like if you didn't think it would be that easy, you might not have started. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like if you didn't think I could just do, you might not have got off the block. So, so it's go, kind oh, of what are they doing wrong? No, it doesn't just have to be shows. Yeah. Let's bring the designers together collectively. Mm. Let's you know look for opportunities for skills development, capacity yeah. building, access to market. Just mm. throwing out all of these big words and yeah. big ideas. Yeah. I guess I'm a dreamer. And then, you know, we're here. And at some point, I think I also had a moment, like three years ago, mm. really questioning and sitting with the team, obviously, because, mm. like, guys, something is not working. Yeah. And going back to the drawing board, like, there's something missing. And we also had another, you know, another big idea, which had to get us and, mm. you know, it's sort of shaping what we're doing now. Mm. And that's around the consciousness of, okay, wait, when we started, it was to sort of celebrate creativity, right? right? And, you know, young creativity to shine some light on some of the work that designers do to connect them with stores and connect them with press and all they need to put their work out there on that sort of scale. Got you. And then, of course, you realize that, okay, we've done, designers have been in stores from mm. Selfridges to, you know, we've done some pretty amazing things. But um, you just feel like it's not enough. It's not enough. And then you go back to the drawing board. It's like, so what is it? What's so missing? The yeah. So, yes, it's true. The continent is filled with, you know, an abundance of natural resources. Yeah. You know, we have craftsmanship. Exactly. The designers are creative. We lack for nothing. I know, apart right? from... You know, you've shown the work of the designers over yeah. time, but there's something missing. Yeah. And we realized that what was missing was, you know, guess what it felt like people were taking from us right and in the process of taking of course um the brands were not evolving like they should and we realized that it was also because of what what was going on within our ecosystem right. you know private sector public sector we're not coming to you know we're not on the same page we really what mm. to do for the brands and all of that so um we thought you know it's probably time to get stakeholders yeah. involved to think about what we needed to do on a deeper level right. so things like that thing you just said about people taking from you that's like that's quite powerful though because when you said that did you did you feel that what did you mean when you said that because when you say taking from me do you mean kind of is it appropriation of sorts is it a lack careful. of I no but i mean to. let's but you know, call it because because that's really important what you said. Because like you said, that's this rich resource, resource rich, talent rich, everything rich continent that you're representing. I mean, I was born in England, so I went to Ghana every mm -hmm. summer. I went to Ghana kind of for the holidays and came back to England. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how I grew up. But I always knew what was possible there. But then I grew up here. So when I grew up and got into the fashion industry, it was this fashion industry. It was kind of... London Fashion Week and that yes. kind of system um, and what I found was just being kind of a startup designer or whatever was that it was very self-starting it was kind of I didn't have the infrastructure emotional support or even understanding exactly. about what it is I think it's quite a glamorized industry you think I'll do very. a fashion week I'll do a fashion show the world will know about me and then it will just be kind of rockets and I did New York Fashion Week and then I got presented with an order from a buyer and that's when I realized how little I knew about what I needed to know. Mm. And so I got reset. Um, and I think that there is a lot of um, ignorance within not kind of emerging designer community, but maybe a lack of entrepreneurial education about not just being creative, but also having a business education. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's something you felt. Obviously, you Definitely. felt that there was a need for that Definitely. because you introduced it. Definitely, because we realised that, okay, 
their I mean creativity abounds. So yeah, you, you that's know, like their standard. Of course. But you know, there's gotta be that that careful balance between mm. creativity and you know how to balance all of that with the commercial process. Exactly. But also being mindful of the people, the mm. resources and mm. the environment, you know. Yeah. So we, you know, came up with this whole thing around shaping passion's future nice. and what are the things we need to focus on you know and um in terms of working with designers the young and more the younger designers nice. you know how do we equip them with skills and the knowledge and you know that's sort of relevant for today yeah focusing on key areas like sustainability mm. technology mm. innovation but beyond that mm. you know was to create opportunities for more co-creation collaboration within our community yeah so be more community focused and to be able to build from there to create what i hope will be one of the strongest ecosystems in the world today wow. it's still all dreams i'm a dreamer girl no but dreams are what <laughs> makes it happen Oh, Miami, we finally get to I meet. I know, right? I you can't know. believe we've not crossed paths before. This makes no sense. I mean, when when I got that email from Evan, I'm like, what? I know, I know a red carpet, green dress, and then you know, thank yeah. you for Google. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh my gosh, how come we've not met? I know. Yeah, so it's a really great meeting. You, you. too. Yeah. I'm so excited because I've kind of been following and I read up on you as well and I kind of kicked myself for not having discovered you myself. <laughs> you know, but I'm glad that you introduced to me, but. Can you tell me a little bit more? Because I've read what I've read, but I'd love to hear in your own words about kind of Lagos Fashion Week and what you're building. It's amazing. Yeah, so, um, well, my name is Omoyemi Akerele. <laughs> Formal introductions, right? <laughs> um, so I work as the founder and executive director mm. of Starhouse Files, which is sort of like a fashion business development agency. Mm. And um, our main focus is providing opportunities for access to market for brands you know mm. in general designers and you know everyday brands providing opportunities for capacity building skills mm. development uh through one of our platforms providing opportunities for discovering new talent mm. and you know setting up sort of like a fund or incubation just to get their work going very wow. tiny fund i must say but still it's a fund yeah <laughs> and then of course our showcase platform which is lagos fashion week yes. that's you know a lot of more people know about the than famous any, yeah than anything <laughs> else we do and then we also have a platform for advocacy because mm. I genuinely believe that, you know, so much can happen, like, you know, so much change can happen with people coming together and just mm. talking about things. Mm. Maybe it's my legal background or something, but yeah. I just genuinely believe that, you know, conversations can make change, you know, Absolutely. public and private sector conversations, mm. conversations with people from different parts of the world, mm -hmm. conversations with your peers. Because I think um, it's very important that people come together to mm. talk about some of the most pressing things mm. in our ecosystem today because um i believe talking about things can create change you yeah. can get to speak to the right audience instead mm. of industry speaking to industry yeah. if you invite other players into the room then real change can hopefully start to happen Absolutely. and i know a lot of people get tired of talking but i don't <laughs> mind in that way you know if it's about talking about something that can move the needle on a subject exactly i'm passionate about that and um yeah, maybe it's my legal background or something. But. but you're doing it, though, because, I mean, what you've built with Lagos Fashion Week, but also then your agency, which kind of, like you said, is like an incubator for brands and to help them scale themselves up. Like, why? I always feel that the brands and designers that I'm discovering through your platform, why can't they become these global conglomerate labels? Oh. You know, why can't that be their future as well? You know, that that's kind of what I see with what you're building. And to be honest, that's how we started as well, yeah. trying to answer those questions. Exactly. But in the last three or four years, four, four and a half years, it sort of changed mm -hmm. to how can we 
rebuild our own ecosystem to be able to support our own designers, be able to ensure there's infrastructure that can, you know, help them grow, scale up and, you know, provide everything that they hopefully need. Yeah. I mean, thinking about the continent and the size, you know, the population, 1.2 billion people. I know that, you know, majority of the population still believe below the poverty line mm. and maybe cannot afford some of what we're talking about. Yeah. But if we still look at the numbers, like a micro, mm. micro percentage of that, yeah. you know, it's still something, a market, there is a market Absolutely. There, and you, you have know. growing middle classes. Yeah. Like yeah. there's so much positivity and growth projected for that continent and it's so culturally diverse there is there is room for it yeah so you know in the last four years it's been more about how can we grow within our ecosystem mm. how can we empower how can we build communities how can mm. we co-create and you know but um that's who we are tell me about you <laughs> i mean it's so glamorous sounds you know when oh you my gosh red carpet, green dress. i'm like girl <laughs> don't be fooled <laughs> um, you must have so much fun though like you i know. do you know i have the most fun because i started in the fashion industry mm -hmm. um i didn't study fashion i'm from a kind of Ghanaian background uh i had a couple of options let's just say with my degree choice <laughs> uh medicine law accounting and so on so yep. um i did tell economics it. exactly but I always knew I wanted to work in fashion. I was always a creative person. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved to London to study my economics degree, I basically immersed myself in London as a fashion capital. It's mm -hmm. where, you know, I wanted to be around. I wanted to learn it. And I was surrounded by other designers, emerging designers, uh, incubators on King's Road that used to house designers from all over the world. And I found that I love fashion, but I felt that something was missing. And in kind of 2010, after designing for a while and kind of probably burning out a little bit, kind of mm -hmm. overdoing it, I decided to take a break from designing and just figure out what I wanted to do in fashion that would still feed me. And I went on to vogue.co.uk and I saw a line and it said, can you design a dress for the red carpet with a sustainable twist? Yeah. And because my background was in kind of designing red carpet gowns, that's what I loved doing. Mm -hmm. I basically, my attitude, I think we're quite similar. I was like, I can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, kind of, I'm, I'll take it on and then I'll figure it out later. Mm -hmm. And so I designed a sketch and I sourced, um, I explained how I would make it sustainably. And for me back then, it was just about the textile. To me, sustainable fashion then was, okay, organic silk. I had no idea about all the nuances to it. I had no idea about it being about materials, but also dyes, also communities impacting manufacturing, sustainable yep. strategies, certifications. <laughs> I had no idea that it had all of this so step to, to it. There was about. so much more to it than yeah. just organic silk, of right? Course. But I entered and then I won. And it turned out that that contest was founded by Susie Amos Cameron and James Cameron. Oh, wow. So my prize was to get over to Los Angeles and to meet them and walk the red carpet with them in the gown that I made. So I had 11 days to hastily cobble together a sustainable gown. And it, was, it wasn't my finest work, I'll be honest. But I think oh, in life, it's not always about it. your finest yeah. work. It's about your effort and your spirit and your passion. So I went over to LA and... I, on the flight there, I read my first book about sustainable fashion. It was called Eco Fashion by someone called Sass Brown. And I was hooked. Oh, Sass Brown, I love her. Yeah, she's incredible. She, she taught at like FIT. Yes, and yes. She was a mentor kind of person to me at the beginning because I had to cram in knowledge mm. about this subject. And it just opened my mind to the impact that fashion has on biodiversity, on climate, on communities. And I just couldn't unlearn that. So fast forward um, kind of eight, nine years, I came on board as a contest winner and then 
I worked my way up through Red Carpet Green Dress as campaign director and then global campaign director and then vice president. Oh, wow. And then last year, um, Susie and James named me the CEO of Red Carpet Green Dress. And we're so much more than the Red Carpet Project at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. I think like your Lagos Fashion Week, when you said like that's that's like your famous platform. Everybody knows Lagos it's Fashion not, Week. I don't think it's our most. But it, yeah. yeah. It's not... It's not the you part do that gets so, me off. Exactly. You yeah. do all of these things with talent incubation. And the same with Red Carpet Green Dress. The Oscars campaign for us is incredible because we have a mainstream platform and we're really passionate about taking mainstream spaces and having sustainable conversations. Mm -hmm. We could easily have the conversation about how fashion impacts the environment at Global Green, mm -hmm. where it's all about eco-warriors and that audience. But we wanted to tackle mainstream. mainstream. We want the global audience to hear what's going on. Um, so that's one of the things we're passionate about. But we do a lot of work with kind of brand collaboration. So partnering with brands that are accessible to people so that when we're having conversations about sustainable fashion, we're part of creating products that people can actually access that are affordable. And then we do workshops, we work with emerging designers and create internships and learning opportunities within fashion colleges, because I'm a big believer in kind of educating the emerging generation oh, about sustainability yes. they're going to be making clothes for us mm -hmm. for the next you know for our future so mm -hmm. if they don't understand the principles of sustainability now they'll have to learn it later and it will almost there's be no there's no point like let's just cover this now so we have quite a few different areas that we do like not dissimilar to you like four or five streams of activity but the call for us is just redefining how sustainability is seen mm -hmm and educating people to be aware that it's a culturally dynamic conversation. Sustainability in the United Kingdom is not the same as sustainability in Ghana. Yep. And actually, FYI, the Ghanaian sustainability could potentially teach the Western sustainability a great deal. Yeah. There's an exchange happening. Yes. But right now, it does feel like it's a certain part of the world yeah. saying, this is how to be sustainable. You need this tote bag mm -hmm. and you need this organic cotton t-shirt. Mm -hmm. Whereas the rest of the world is doing incredible things sustainably yeah. already. So I'm really passionate about just kind of cracking open sustainability and making it something that is culturally rich yeah. and, and not just one dimensional. Quite, quite interesting because, you know, that's when we had that reawakening, you know, mm. that's what we started doing. Right. Like, you know what, it's time to, even though it's quite interesting as well, that mm. in Nigeria and so many parts of Africa, the way the designers work, it's naturally adapted or suited. It's what you call slow fashion Absolutely. anyway, you know, with, with the craftsmanship and the communities and all. But we realized that it was important for us to be deliberate about teaching mm -hmm. and impacting the next generation. So mm -hmm. about three years ago, we launched something called Green Access, yes. which is purely for young designers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that competition. It's a competition, but it's more than that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one like a few days of teaching with one of our best Unkwa Unwuka I don't know if you've heard of her yes. where she sort of you know gives them workshops on you know you can make anything out of nothing exactly you know, we have a dry cleaner dry cleaning company called Garment Care who yeah. send us like white shirts yes. and she's there teaching them that from this white collection yeah. of white shirts you can actually create a you know design a collection you know it's yeah. so you know it's having those meaningful conversations mm. and meaningful exchange between the future talent of tomorrow that mm -hmm. i think is you know really going to make that impact that we're hoping to Absolutely. see beyond what i thought we we're going to achieve when we launched in 2011 exactly and you know this year we also hosted something called woven threads mm. and it was during the middle of the lockdown wow. it's so 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 weird and i think it's going to sort of similar to what we're going to be talking about mm. with designing value yeah and the whole idea for us was you know we thought it was important to 
even though we have two seasons a year, usually Lagos Fashion Week is one season a exactly. year. Exactly. But we about a couple of years ago we decided to add a second season, not necessarily for showcase, yeah. but an opportunity for people to get closer to understand what it is to be an African designer by you know, through presentations, mm. very small, very intimate. You can interact with the clothes, the models, the designers. And this year the theme was woven threads, just nice. before the pandemic, mean, just oh. before. You know, we'd had like... That's such an incredible theme, though. Like, <laughs> as, a, as a kind of British-born born Ghanaian, hearing woven threads oh, wow. immediately makes me think of, like, our cloths and how things were made in northern Ghana and Tamale and Accra. Like, that means a lot, that word. Yep. Um, and it's the value, like, when you talked about redesigning value, you said something earlier about um, making something from nothing, and it's this whole idea that, well, waste is only waste if you waste it. Like, exactly. our whole idea... I think in fashion, we're, we're throwing away, I think, I feel like this might be right, but it's either 13 billion tons or 1.3 billion. I know it's a big gap, but it's got a one and a three in it um, <laughs> of textiles each oh, year. Yeah. Like we're wasting at such an astronomical scale. It's and I think that whole idea of what we value is often only being the finished product yep. and everything that goes into that almost suddenly becomes valueless once the product's finished, um, is what I see when you when you said redesigning value. It's kind of shining a light on what contributes to the making of something. The stories are valuable, the people are valuable, exactly. the components are valuable, and exactly. the journey is valuable. And we know the journey is impactful because we know about this pressure right now to decarbonize supply mm -hmm. chains because, you know, that is an impact-driven yeah. process. So when you say redefining, redesigning value, that's what I think about, the idea of what are we defining as valuable right now? Mm -hmm. And it has to go beyond the product. It has to go beyond that. It needs to be the intangible stuff too. All right, <laughs> so we have some prompt cards. Yep. <laughs> this is quite new, but um, let's see. Okay, so I think we're turning them over and then I'm going to ask you a question. We don't know what this says, right? No, we don't. We're okay. about to find out though. <laughs> Okay, all right. Shall I go first? You go first. Okay. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Okay, oh, oh. let me take Is the that first one. putting you on the spot or putting me on the I spot? I think I'm putting you on the spot, Oh. Okay, so um, I'll read the phrase and then okay. I want you to kind of not argue but make the case for this statement. Okay. Um, fashion can save lives. Oh, wow. This is This is so interesting that you're asking me this question. Um, it takes me right back to 2012, I think. We were in Florence, right? Mm -hmm. um, we'd just taken a few designers to PT, PT, PT Imagine. Nice. It's like a, you know, mm -hmm. like a, know. like a show, like show, a trade show, trade show, thank you. Yeah. And Business of Fashion, Imran Ahmed, they were having an event and they mm -hmm. said, you know, everyone, you know, just write two words or three words in three words. What does fashion mean to you? Two words. And, you know, I was there with Zara Para, one of, you know, the ladies who, we work together and, you know, she also runs her own business. And Zara and I were like, what's it going to be? And I'm like, mm, fashion can fashion can save lives. Wow. I didn't even say change. I said save. And Zara looked up and she's like, what do you mean save lives? I'm like, fashion can save lives. And, you know, we're both there cheesing with this little card that says fashion can save lives. And I'm sure everyone rolled their eyes. Why are you being so deep? We're at a party. Yeah. <laughs> fashion rocks or fashion, you know. In hindsight, you know, when I go back to that moment, mm. I think it was important to 
tell them that, you know, where we're coming from, fashion mm. really can save lives. Fashion can change lives. Mm. You know, coming from a country where, you know, the poverty line is people live below less than a dollar a day. Mm. You know, coming from a country where the unemployment rate is probably in double digits, you mm. know, getting people to understand that, mm. you know, when you see the product, mm. that's not just where the work starts. You have to pause for a minute to figure out, you know, how the process was where was you know the components of that where was this source from was this source from locally you know it, the vision is to be able to ensure that we keep all the value within the country as opposed to you know trying to import like can we do locally to feed you know to create more opportunities for job creation to create more opportunities for you know for for wealth creation and beyond that as well we also have to think about the environment like yeah. every little decision that you make you know think about you know freehold farmers in far-flung, you know, cotton farmers in, in Nigeria, and I, I'm sure I can speak for some parts of Africa as well, yeah. where cotton as a crop in the 80s was such a big deal. Exactly. And, you know, Nigeria was one of the, you know, like a significant cotton grower. Yeah. And then, of course, you had the whole um, globalization yeah. and, you know, open ports and people bringing in, importing different things. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're looking for the textile industries, exactly. which in turn impacts, you know, cotton. So if you think about it like that from, not necessarily from a value chain approach, mm -hmm. but when you think about it from an ecosystem exactly. approach, like, you know, what I do can affect you, what you yes. do can affect me. And you realize that fashion can change lives. We're all interconnected. We're all interconnected. And this, is, this has become even more relevant this season with exactly. the pandemic when mm. we know that, you know, every decision you make mm. can affect my yeah. life, you mm -hmm. know? So it's made us even more, the moment's made us even more mindful of that. Mm. If you think about things like the pay up, you know, um, pay, pay, up, up pay up movement, just different things like, yeah. you know, livelihoods can change and, and be affected. And have disappeared overnight for I some know, people. you know? So Absolutely. we we really need to be more mindful about isolating the glamour you know the way we've glamour glamorized fashion yes i love clothes i yeah. love looking good yeah. but it's also important that you know to me i wear something that you know as often as i can something that's represents represent representative of who i am exactly. where i've come from the people who've worked on you know maybe producing the suit you know people, it tells a story yes you know so you're connecting the dots very 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 important Absolutely. to me and you know and i'm so happy right in that way that you know quite a lot of the designers and brands within the ecosystem, not just in Nigeria, but across Africa, are now willing to tell their stories yes. about who they are, where we've all come from, mm. and how that can impact and is already impacting communities mm. across across the continent. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And that's so well said, because when you talked about um, the idea of saving lives, I was immediately sitting and thinking about cotton, and I was thinking about cotton farmers. Yeah. And between, I think, 1995 to 2014, we've had over 250,000 farmer suicides in India, and it's all it's related ridiculous. to GM cotton. Yes. It's all related to the pressure and the ridiculous pressure that these farmers are under to either introduce modified seeds, which ultimately lead to a monoculture. To do four times more than it's supposed to do. Exactly, and it's we're moving away from, that's why agroforestry and like polycultures are this big talking thing right now, because this popular fabric that we all love, cotton, guess what? It's like people are killing themselves over yes. the situation we've created. So that was really powerful. Thank well you. said. Thank you. I hope I don't have one as heavy as this. <laughs> but then again, I, I no, suppose No, you're I up do. to the task. Okay. Ooh, social justice. Ooh. So um, hmm. my question would be, what do you think, considering what's going on now and let's even talk about the pay-up movement. There's mm. still quite a number of brands who have mm. been signed up to it mm. and they're still, they're 
shops are still open today. Exactly. And there's still some manufacturers in Bangladesh and yeah. I guess different parts of that world where garments are produced. Yeah. How do you think we can balance that? How do you, what do you, if you could say mm. something to those people today, to mm. like the top shops of mm. this world, to who else is on that list? Maybe to Urban Outfitters, yeah. to TJ Maxx and some of the companies that have not signed. What would you say to them? You know what? I wouldn't even talk to them anymore. Mm. I would talk to government. I would talk about legality. Mm. I would talk about this has gone beyond... Um, the emotive, moral way of engaging with brands because we've got to the point where you are well aware about the pain and suffering that is happening in these factories. For Red Carpet Green Dress, this year we had our global design contest because that's how we started. It was a global design contest. Susie and James Cameron were going to the Oscars. Mm. They put it out to a global community and mm. designers would submit sketches. They chose a, designing win, a winning design. It was made and they watched the Oscars and they had a conversation about what are you wearing? And they used that question and made it something so much more meaningful. I'm wearing this, it was made by this. So back, 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 back then, there was always an element of the contest where we were fundraising and we would direct those funds towards causes and important movements that we felt passionately about. So this year we reintroduced the contest, but the causes that we felt passionately about were the garment workers in Bangladesh and in Myanmar. Nice. Those were the main focuses for the contest this year because we are aware that in Bangladesh, um, over 80% of that workforce is, is female. So mm -hmm. this is very much a women's rights issue as well. It is. And in Myanmar, it's 90% um, women of, in the garment force. Um, and we were aware that once COVID hit and factories were just um, being abandoned by brands that they had basically told 14 hours for to deliver what we as a consumer society keep demanding more, 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 yep. more, more and more for. So we're all part of this. We're all accountable. This isn't even about just chop shop. It's about the expectation as consumers that we have that I've seen this now. I need to see something else. I've seen that now. I need to see something else. We need to slow that whole thing down because it's something we're all responsible for. But with regards to the social justice movement around just that topic, for example, I'm getting to the point where we need to legislate. We need this to be written into law because at the end of the day, what we have right now are guidelines. Yeah. We have, this very is, the, it's very vague and that's the problem with guidelines and goals, right? <laughs> We're hoping that we'll do this. It's like the new deal. We're hoping that we can curb our carbon emissions by 30% by 2030. No, what we need now is we need this written into legislation. We need fines. We need incentives for those who want to do it yep. but don't know how they're like can you help us what technology can we use how can we reach this goal these are our challenges we need that transparency and um, kind of take the walls down none of the pretense this is where we're struggling this is how we're struggling to do this mm -hmm. but at this point and seeing what i've seen and seeing women who were pregnant and hearing about so it from our ngos camping outside the um, factories because they couldn't get back to their rural villages where their family are so they're just sleeping there due in a month mm -hmm. due in two weeks at this point, we need to come down pretty hard. And I think that law, legislation, and kind of taking the intangible, this is what we wish for, to this is what needs to happen, and this is how we're gonna deliver it, is what we need. We need metrics. Very we important. need you to tell us where you're going from and how you're, where you're going to and how you intend to, to get, get there. there. Um, and we need timeframes because I, like you, I'm so over the vagueness of conversations. And I think what we've both witnessed this year is, when COVID hit, all of a sudden, the red tape and the challenges that brands had before, because <laughs> why they couldn't do things, suddenly they were like leaping over that red I tape know. and cutting aside that yes. those barriers. All of a sudden they were repurposing their factories to deliver different masks things. Masks and PPEs. Masks and PPEs. Yes. So it's almost like, oh, when it gets bad enough for you, 
then you can do it. Well, what about when it gets bad enough for them? Because they are us and that's the whole thing about language. It's not, those aren't the garment workers, they are garment workers. Mm. So legislation, it's like I'm, I'm beyond um, the soft approach now. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yes. No, you're right. We and need it's, to... it's a serious issue. Mm. And I think if we ever thought that, you know, if we ever thought that it wasn't, you, you, we knew it was real. We yes. could, people have been dying. Yes. But this year has just brought it into everyone's Every... attention that no, it's not just what you thought you knew that, you know, it's overcrowded spaces and yeah. all of that. It's the fact that some people are not only not compensated enough. Some people mm. are actually, I don't want to use the word mean, but some people, some companies mm. actually don't think they should pay people it's for callous. what they've commissioned. Very it's very callous. Who does that? Exactly. You know? And all because they're, you know, trying to protect, you know, like their profit margins yeah. and you and you 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 would probably think that those businesses would be out of I mean, they wouldn't be here mm. by the end of the pandemic, mm. but their stores are still open. Exactly. Still and that's trading. what hurts the most. So, I think when you walk past those stores, yes. you think you have the ability and it's just it's not acceptable. When we talked about you talked about value earlier it's beyond product we yeah. have to value human lives yes. and human contributions yes. as much as we value how beautiful this makes of me course. look and how beautiful this makes me feel mm -hmm. because because these are people's lives and i think that the industry has to do better we have to we all have to we do have to better. do better we're not like the issues that we're facing as an industry and there are many mm. it's it's a lot of lip service it's mm -hmm. we're not moving at a fast enough pace to address mm. these issues like we constantly set goals you know our target for 2020 is this mm. our goal for 2030 is this and yet you know yeah, five years in there's yeah. nothing that's really being done and i think it's um sometimes it feels like a great deal of lip service and ultimately i think we'll see real change when we are faced with scarcity Okay, my turn. Yep. Let me pick one up. I like that you went in the middle. So, oh, okay. Okay, should I be worried? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to understand it. The, it says nature or business. So, I don't know, maybe this is around how the fashion, does the fashion industry have to make a choice between supporting nature and business? Is there a compromise we have to make? Um, that's how I would interpret it, but I'm welcome to your interpretation of it as well. Nature or business? So I think, um, I think for me, I think it's really quite intertwined. Mm. I mean, because currently people really think, oh, you know, it's all about the profits, you know, the, the race, the bottom approaches, you know, mm. more profit, more mm. margins, you mm. know at the expense of other people, at mm. the expense of the environment, at the mm. expense of um, garment factory workers, mm. at the expense of, you know, where they're sourcing from, mm. just because they want to make more, make more money. Exactly. And of course, in the process, nature suffers, mm. right? So it's that capitalism, it's that, you know, monolithic, you know, more, 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 the quest for more, mm. I think that's definitely started to erode value and to create all the problems we're having either with the landfills and you know mm. knowing you know the percentage of clothes that happen you know that go back yeah. into landfills i think 20 billion yeah. 20 billion dollar or something yeah. like you know in terms of it's how much that you, you know it's just it's just ridiculous you know so uh so in the quest for more mm. right something some things are suffering yeah people are suffering yeah the processes are suffering mm. and the environment is suffering. Yeah. So um, I think it's, um, I mean, I guess that's the work that you do. That's yeah. the work that a global Definitely. fashion agenda is doing. And, you know, so many amazing people, mm. you know, how do we ensure that we create that balance, that mindful balance between the people, the processes and the environment mm. to get people to understand that, you know, it's not always about 
the bottom line. Exactly. It's not always about, you know, how much money can we make? You yeah. know, sometimes, you know, we have to ask ourselves or tell ourselves when is enough enough, yeah. you know, you know, and, and I don't really think it's about not making money. It's mm. about making sure that every hand mm. profits. Exactly. You know, so along if you're, that chain, yes, along, along that the cycle. chain, yes. Mm -hmm. So if you're making so much money and you, we know they're yeah. making so much money. Exactly. You know, so if yeah. you're making so much money, how do you ensure that everyone else is, mm -hmm. you know, comparable. Prosperous as well. Yes, you know. You know, Absolutely. how do you go into communities and make sure you make it better than how it was mm. before you you went in, you know. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think that's that's uh, probably what my thoughts would be about mm. nature and business. Yeah. You know, um, what exactly are we doing in 2020? Like you, you just said, it's enough is enough. Let's yeah. stop paying lip service to it. Mm. It's time to really get into it and do some work and mm. make some decisions, you know. Mm. I don't think about is it legislation instead yeah. of making it like a moralistic or, you know, you can do that, you know, trying to uh, play on people's emotional exactly. or moral, you know, like conscience. Yeah. Like don't do it because this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe we're finally getting case. to, yes, you know, get finally getting to that stage where, you know, this is what it is. Yeah. It, you know, this is everyone who's going to suffer as a result of this. And we need to stop the greenwashing. We need to stop paying leap service. Yeah. And let's just do it. I love what you said because it's like with business, it's and in what you said, it's not just about making money, but there are these, you know, we talk about like the environmental profit and loss, the EPL, like, I mean, you know, I mean. because there's, yes, there's as businesses, you want to be profitable, you want to do well. But the idea is that it's not that you should want to be profitable just so that you can thrive. Exactly what you said. We have to look at the value cycle. We need to look at upstream production and the mm -hmm. raw material providers. We need to look at all the hands that touch that garment and ensure that they're prosperous too. And I was kind of, I know that the Global Fashion Agenda had been involved in the biodiversity, um, had master, chaired a masterclass on biodiversity but nature you know fashion is not being connected to fields and farms and rivers and so on but it's where it begins we're growing our cotton we're growing the majority of what we're wearing and of if course. we're not growing it we're using natural resources to mm. nurture it whether it's water or whatever that is and it's so inefficient what really staggers me about our industry is that we're so intelligent and creative as an industry but there's so much inefficiency like it takes what 4.5 tons of viscose um, 4.5 tons um, of, to, of visco, sorry, is generated, you know, just by cutting down. I need to get this right, sorry. We cut down 4.5 tons of trees mm -hmm. to generate one ton of viscose. So this, like, disproportionality, or we're using, you know, producing leather, and we're producing 90% of leather produces chromium still, which ultimately is filtering into nature. So the yeah. connection between what we're making and how we're making it and how that's impacting biodiversity. You know, people aren't understanding that for leather production, it's like you're taking out the big cats. Mm -hmm. You know, you're taking, you're, you know, there's a, there's a, a supply chain effect here. Mm -hmm. There's an ecosystem mm -hmm. impact when mm -hmm. you're kind of doing that. And nature is such a fine balance and we're tinkering with it. And we're tinkering with it a bit too much and we're not kind of replenishing what we're taking. So ultimately, we get to the point where nature won't allow us to do business anymore. I know. And it also gets me, you know, mm. worried a little bit about, I always have to think about the cotton farmers in, yeah. on the continent, mm. you know, from Kenya to, I mean, even parts of Nigeria, yeah. you know, you know, and we all know that, you know, cotton consumes a lot of water yeah. and there's all of this, you know, with all the pesticides and the way it's grown so that it goes mm. faster and yields more. Like, you know, you mm. expect a seed to yield like four times. And it's it's disturbing because mm. I also understand that the more people continue 
that way to strengthen their businesses, mm. right? It affects the farmer in that community mm. that is really relying on that, yes, you know, that cotton to, you know, yield, to, mm. to, to grow and, you know, to be able to make income, to generate incomes for mm. their families, mm. you know. So how do we, you know, and um, I met a couple of guys, Selena Wamuchi, that's mm -hmm. what they're called. They have a company called, and what they really do is try to connect like small farmers yeah. in parts of Eastern Africa mm -hmm. to be able to get, you know, at least some good money for, yeah. for their crop. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about what's going to happen to them, if mm. this, if everyone keeps thinking cotton is this, which it is, don't get me wrong, that yeah. needs so much water yeah. and needs all of this, you know, just to survive and how that affects, you know, the delicate balance of, of the soil and renewal yeah. and all of that. But what happens, you know, what's going to happen to those farmers? Yeah, you know, if for we generations? suddenly yes. say, you we're know, not interested in, in this anymore. Yes. And we're getting to that level. So, I, you know, that's a question I want to ask. So what's going to happen to them? Mm -hmm. Are they all going to end up in labs as well, trying to figure out how to get silk from, I don't know, from... Maybe, yeah. You know, so those are things that really get Do me... Do you not think maybe there's something about the diversification of the the materials we're using not that we should no longer be using cotton mm -hmm. but we should be no longer relying solely. on cotton solely of course, because that's it. there's a whole area of material innovation where you know which we need to be investing in which mm -hmm. needs to be invested in but it's about spreading that pressure because i mean i know that caring did a great report and they analyzed um with the brands that they're working with if you're sourcing cotton or if you're sourcing silk from this area they have to do kind of a whole matrix about how much cotton is being bought in this area? Mm -hmm. Like how much How much are other brands buying this cotton in this area? So they can kind of analyze how much pressure is being put so on that sector. So it's almost like these don't have to be wiped out, but we need to look at investing in alternatives they, yeah. so that it's not so much pressure on just a single, because then we get into monocultures. And upcycling and as well. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I know agroforestry is a big thing, but monocultures is basically the opposite of what we want. We need to <laughs> diversify, right? Um, so no, that's a, a good connection. So I jumped into your question. No, 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 that's fine. It's, um, I mean, that's the whole point, you know, <laughs> to be able to get the, to the very, 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 very bottom or the very essence of it. And, mm. um, yeah, hopefully we'll be more mindful of nature mm. and uh, respect it a bit more. Mm. Um, it's just like Extinction Rebellion mm. who... I mean, I, I love them, by the way. And <laughs> sorry, I don't know if that's meant to be on record or off, but, you know, um, who who pretty much say that we're the asteroids, you know, growing up, you yeah. watch all these movies where like, you know, you think some people are going to come from outer space to destroy, to destroy the Earth. That's us. That's us. We're in the Anthropocene now. <laughs> yes. We're in the Anthropocene. Yes. My cousin wrote this incredible book called Into the Anthropocene. And oh. basically it's it's what you just said, that we are on par with an Earth-destroying asteroid, yes. which is insane, is. the impact that human beings have had in the short time that we've been here. But look, and I mean, we are the asteroid. All in the quest for more, you know, building more business, you know, so, yeah. Anyways, so let me ah. dive in. Da, 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 da. I'm going for. Oh, this is good. Oh gosh. Privilege. <gasps> okay. Privilege. I think. Uh... Wow. So... I know. <laughs> I'm trying not to be. It's a heavy word. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, there's been. Do you really believe that? Oh, let me just say Ask me, ask me. <laughs> so do you really believe that 
the fashion industry is reflective of what happens socially in the said I mean mm. social strata or strata mm. that where you come from the color of your skin you know sort of is directly related to how successful you are within the industry and how mm. do you think that the industry is dealing with that because um, mm. I have my thoughts and my opinions. Mm. I mean, we've just discussed about how it's taking Black Lives Matter mm. for so many things and even the pandemic, mm. you know, for so much to be happening today, like people being able to move the needle. Mm. So um, do you really think that in 2020, right, mm. it's still possible for people to benefit from a social system or a fashion system or any ecosystem purely because of who they are, where they come from, the mm. colour of their skin and, yeah. I mean, 100% without a shadow of a doubt. You could look at it through a number of different ways. You could look at data and you could see that, well, the environmental sector in the UK alone, and there are reports that support this, is the second least diverse sector. So that means the representation when we're talking about the presence of black people, people of colour, is is staggeringly low compared to their white counterparts. So our presence in this industry is under, we're underrepresented in this industry. You could look at just walking out and going into, I mean, as somebody who's been in the fashion industry for a long time, working in different roles, I can say to you that I have walked into so many spaces as a black woman and been the only black woman in that space. And I know for a fact that I'm not the only capable black person of doing this job. I'm not the only person with the skill set, education or access to resources able to deliver what I'm delivering but there's a filtration system that happens in this industry and unfortunately it affects black brown people of color indigenous people disproportionately you just have to look around it's not something that I can turn a blind eye to and do I think that your the color of your skin or your where you come from or your background and how you've been brought up plays a role ultimately yes if you think about let's say work experience or internships so if you take a fashion brand that's offering an internship, but it's an unpaid internship, that means that anybody who doesn't have the disposable income or is not from a socioeconomic uh, group where they can afford to do an internship that's unpaid free. means that they will automatically be declined that opportunity or won't be able to apply for that opportunity because they can't support themselves. They just can't. So then you start unpacking how wealth is distributed within the industry or how wealth is distributed within society and you'll start seeing very strange and striking similarities. So a lot of the time it's not just that we are not provided with access to opportunities. Um, if I think about red carpet green dress for example, when we have our contest one of my big things is this contest needs to be advertised across platforms. Yes, we need to go on kind of uh, the Vogue's and the refineries and so on, but we also need to go onto platforms like Modern Ghana. We need to go everywhere as far wide as we can because we want to bring in a culturally diverse set, but that's not what happens in fashion. We don't advertise and we don't promote opportunities to broad, socially, culturally diverse spaces. And that's one of the ways that we exclude groups from entering the conversation because we're not even bringing it to a space where they can know it's happening, where they can be part of it. And I think with this year, we've seen the spill out of it. We've seen the vocalization about the need to decolonize the fashion industry. And that's a big word and I get it, <laughs> but it's a necessary word. It's an infrastructure in place that 
prohibits groups from access, from being brought into the table to have conversations. When you think about biodiversity loss or anything affecting the environment or communities, often it's those most impacted, more vulnerable, who have less presence in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So even though this is affecting my community or your community, we there. are present in the conversations when it comes to policy, strategy Never. and so on. Um, I was thinking about climate change the other day and what we know is one of the impacts of climate change will be, for example, in the river basin. So in the Middle East, they'll mm -hmm. be extremely vulnerable when it comes to water scarcity. Yeah. We know that places like the Gulf states in America, like Alabama, Mississippi, they will be really, really vulnerable when it comes to flooding. So these are our communities. They're very, very vulnerable, but they don't have the they protection. Have... They don't have so, the presence. They don't so, have the insurances. So they don't me. have so many of the things they need to survive the situations that they're being so does, kind of I mean, so into. how effective mm. is, you know, every company now, mm. every major, every other company mm. is, you know, creating or employing a diversity mm. chief and inclusivity this, all yeah. of that, you know. There's that, you know, I call it the scramble and petition for getting a person of colour on board. Grab one quick. Grab one quick and, you know, yeah. let the person be the face of, you know. Mm. So how effective is that? Do you really think it's going to change anything? Do they have the power or is just, you know, another act of tokenism? You yeah, know, just to, exactly. Let's just put it, check, you know, that person is there to represent, to talk, but do they really have the power behind the scenes that's to move it. the needle? That's it. Which so, is, yeah. And that's almost, there's a mixture of time will tell because... Yes, a couple of people have woken up to the fact that we're living through a system of racial inequality with what's happened this year. Many of us were aware of it for a long time, but some people are new to this conversation mm. and that's that happens. So, yes, there was an element where people are reacting and saying, well, we need to appoint somebody. And I almost feel like that's just the wrong way to go <laughs> so about annoying. this. You don't actually <laughs> need to do this token knee jerk reaction. Actually do the deep work yes. of auditing your company, researching your company, interviewing your employees. Do something that's a bit more thought through versus then, reactionary. Yeah. Because I think... Reactionary and press, you know, let's just... Yeah, it feels... When it's reactionary and it's ill-considered, then I think that the impacts of that action aren't going to be yeah, long-lasting. But we'll really only know if these appointed figureheads have power and if their voices are being respected with time. And yeah. we have to be able to let them speak without the risk of losing their jobs. You're right. You know, because at the end of the day, if somebody does speak up and say, well, I've got this position and I've got no power, ultimately, that probably means that they'll be removed from that position. So we have to enable and empower the people we're putting in positions to be honest with us about how we're doing and what we need to do better and where we're failing. And I think if we have this honest dialogue, it will be easier. Like I'm... CEO of Red Carpet Green Dress and it took me a while to journey to this role but for me I was always constantly being rewarded for when I hit milestones so I have a very blessed existence with Red Carpet Green Dress but I'm aware that so many people who look like me or who have a similar journey haven't had that experience mm. and being able to speak freely and advocate for your community and saying this is how we need to do better is important because that's how we avoid kind of the faux pas. Yeah. That's how we avoid causing hurt and damage to communities because we need the representation in those rooms to speak for those communities. We don't I need do. you to speak for those communities. We need those communities to speak for themselves because only they can articulate what they need and how they need it to be delivered. That, that's it. Yeah. It's not just about passing the mic. It's about it's almost about building a separate stage and just sitting in the audience and expecting to have nothing to do with the mic. I know, right? You know, just be ready to listen. And, you know, lastly, do you think, mm -hmm. is it 
possible that some people are really completely oblivious to what that they actually they're in positions of privilege like oh. do you really think that they're not aware that wow okay i'm here today because of xyz because sometimes mm. it might just be that we expect them to know and we're putting too much um what's the word we're putting too much expectations mm. on these people and assume that well you should know what if they don't know what if they think that there's equal representation what if they think decisions that they make you know mm. you know we benefit from it mm. or people who are underrepresented either mm. you know, it doesn't even have to be just about race you know mm. even gender yeah. you know do you genuinely think that they might just be oblivious i think that being oblivious is a privilege Girl. i think that being able to be oblivious to something is a privilege it to is. be able to say oh i didn't realize that there were no other <laughs> Oh my goodness, oh my I didn't realise I was here. That's a privilege because <laughs> in our exit... In this whole store, we only have yeah, three Yeah, my brands. goodness, what a shocker. <laughs> Did you know that? To be able to have that reaction is yeah, a privilege because for, for many of us, we are acutely aware that we are the only one. We are acutely aware Constantly. because we are the only one. And we carry such a... Um, uh, responsibility to do not only our job well, but to represent others yeah. who are not in that room with us. with us. So it's a privilege to be oblivious in 2020. It really yes. is. And with the plethora of information that's out there and how easy it is to clue yourself up, it can't be an excuse anymore. No. And this isn't just like you just said, which I really respect and appreciated. It's not just about black, white. It's about other groups it's about gender it's about so many other things yeah. it's about size inclusivity yes. it's about catering to the population and the last thing i'll say on this is which is why i can't accept that you're oblivious is when you walk out of this building we're in london right now and we go onto the street we walk past people that look different like people everything a, and anything I mean, multicultural Ages, races multicultural, sizes diverse yes but then you walk into an office and, and, you, and you, you forget you suddenly, all that that's all been you, filtered you, through you just you know it's separate a yourself thing. like oh okay yeah it's a conscious thing it's a conscious comfort bubble but 2020 is popping and the i conscious think and i think bubbles. that's what we need to take with us from this moment on mm. that consciousness yeah you know we shouldn't expect that no one should think that oh you know you will automatically know Mm. you're mindful about so many things i'm yeah. mindful about so many things yeah. and i think that's what everybody you know that's the responsibility yeah. that we that everyone should um, exactly. you know have or you know hold themselves accountable the way we're all accountable to each other today yeah. because of the pandemic is yeah. we have that duty to self duty yeah. to society duty yeah. to family duty to community yeah. to be mindful that mm. you know that people who are different yeah. from me they exactly. look different they talk different they're from different backgrounds yeah. you know it's that mindfulness it's that consciousness and to make sure everybody feels i mean included everybody yeah. feels you, you know you, you everyone has a voice yes. and you respect it yes I and mean, you apply you listen to the what pandemic they say has taught and us that irrespective something. of age religion yeah. color of your skin gender yeah. anybody can get it exactly in the, you know regardless of how much you have in your bank account yeah. everybody can catch a virus and yeah. if you know god forbid anything happens you can die yeah so it's a leveler yeah this year is a leveler it, it is and that's really really important what you said yeah. All right, I'm going to pick another one. Ooh. Da, 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 da. Value. Value. I mean, what does the word value mean to you with what you do? Value means everything. Mm. I mean, right from the consumer. I'm going to start with the consumer. Right to the person who's designing or the person who's making. The conversation no longer should, should no longer be about what am I creating or what am I designing. The conversation should be what is the purpose for designing? Mm. 
Am I adding value to everyone else, not just, oh, I'm a designer who's designed this collection. Mm -hmm. Who else, you know, how do I create value? Mm -hmm. And what does value mean in today's terms? It doesn't just end with that whole model we're used to, mm -hmm. which is linear, which has always been, mm -hmm. oh, make, you know, use, mm -hmm. dispose, you yeah. know. But now value is, I've made something that's so incredibly beautiful, mm -hmm. right? That the consumer, you know, gets to wear it in mm -hmm. its in in its own life circle mm -hmm. or when it's in their closet, right? But beyond that, it's something that can be recycled but can also still be so precious yeah. to whoever gets it next. Yeah. But beyond that as well, is it possible that, you know, it's made so well mm -hmm. and from such great quality, right? That mm -hmm. it can be reused again, yeah. that it can be repurposed, it can be recycled. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that we... Like things circular. don't just end you know it just comes right back into the loop like exactly. how do we feed that back into the design mm. process into the creative process and you know one of the brands one of one brand i really like in nigeria is called this is us nigeria mm. and you know i i bought like a shirt from them a couple of years ago and it's purely cotton hand dyed mm. and recently they said oh and just before they sent that message, I wasn't really loving my shirt anymore because, mm. you know, after a while, yeah. I want, wanted so much yeah, that, you know, you it kind of forget how and they're like, oh, is. now we're, we're offering this service. You know, if you bought anything from us, send it back in, we'll redye it and send it back Amazing. to you. And for me, that is value. Yeah. You know, I want to look into my wardrobe and, and I see clothes that mm -hmm. I've worn, I, you know, I've had for years. Mm -hmm. And I feel that, you know, I can also leave it to my daughters yeah. who will hold on to it and say, you know, this is something that's really precious. Yeah. And sometimes we overthink it and think that, oh, that means it has to be made from the most expensive of yeah. fabrics. Sometimes it's just, just being thoughtful. Story. Yes, you know, that beautiful story mm -hmm. that, you know, um, we we recently had a project called Woven Threads as part of Vegas Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually the same designer, This Is Us, came up with a video, what does it mean to design like an African? It mm -hmm. means to be able to, design and create for a very long time right and that's what value means creating something out of nothing but can last for as long as possible and it's you know it's life cycle is not just cut short because the owner is tired or bored of wearing it wow you know having that considerate approach to it where mm. every hand you know that's worked on a particular mm. thing you know benefits from it and value doesn't end yeah, so value doesn't end with the wearer, with mm. the first, you know, the first mm. person who comes in contact with it. You know, it's that product that can, for as long as it's in existence, really, either in its pure state or in the state mm. in which it becomes repurposed or recycled, it would always bring value to the wearer or the Beautiful. owner. Beautiful. Wow. Goosebumps. All right, you've got to pick one for me. Oh, ah. yeah. Mm, okay, I'm going with the top this time. Okay. Ooh, you love this. Um, the power <laughs> of education. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I know it's something you're very passionate about. So, mm. the power of education. We're in 2020, right? Mm -hmm. And what role, what's the most significant or most pressing role that education needs to play within fashion's ecosystem today? Ooh. Wow, you're not going easy on me, <laughs> are you? Um, I think the most pressing role that education has to play is in shaping and shifting mindsets. Because I actually think that education is about how we understand the world around us, how we interpret what we understand and what we do with that knowledge. Um, and with sustainability, I think understanding what sustainability is and that it means different pe things to different people as you speak to them, understanding that 
it, there's a different lens. If I'm speaking to my mum about what sustainable fashion is to her as a Ghanaian woman, she will talk to me about how she taught herself how to sew and how she customised and mended our garments when we were growing up as a hobby. If I'm talking to a human rights lawyer, they'll say that sustainability is ensuring that every single garment worker in the value or supply cycle is being paid fairly, that there's fair trade. It's understanding that depending on who you speak to, there's a different lens in the conversation. So for me, education is about being able to meet people where they are. And I think you can only do that with education because you need to understand where people are coming from. Mm. And I think once you have a shared kind of platform of understanding, you can educate each other. With Red Carpet Green Dress, I really believe that we have as much to teach as we have to learn. And so we look at sustainability as a global conversation. And I always say, like, what could the Malaysian girl teach us about biodegradable packaging? Someone who grew up with banana leaves mm. as wrapping. And what could the, um, the army veteran teach us about darning and mending? The idea that different groups and different parts of societies have a way of doing things that's sustainable, but we just have to educate ourselves to be able to see that. And it's all about mindset. It's understanding and having the humility to be open to conversations, to read, to learn, and be willing to move from where you were yeah. to where you can be. Yeah. And to be able to do that, we have to shift our mindsets. We have to be prepared to think differently. That's, so to me, that's kind of education. It's, it's shifting mindsets. That's, that's so powerful. And that's what we need today. Mm. Like, you know, we need, we need that. Um, I mean, it's a whole paradigm shift, you know, yeah. for all of us. For all of from, us. Right from the consumers to, I mean, the business moguls yeah. who rule this ecosystem, who rule the industry yeah. to the tech giants. All of and, us. We yeah. all need to think differently. Yeah. And, um, right, I'm going to ask you a question because you keep giving me some good zingers. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh -oh. sorry, I'm going to stop doing the noises. <laughs> Sustainability as luxury. So I think there's a maybe an interpretation or a, an idea that sustainability is a luxurious add-on. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I interpret this, but if you have a different one. So what are your thoughts about sustainability being a luxury? Do you think it is or is it not? I mean, for me, that's quite interesting because I'm going to look at it from the lens of the work that we do and the mm. designers on the continent, mm. I don't really, I, I mean, I see it as a luxury in mm. the sense that, you know, anything that's been touched by hand, I mean, I'm wearing a suit that's been made from fabric that mm. was woven in Akwete mm. in somewhere in Eastern Nigeria that mm. a lot of people probably don't know by yes. a community of women who, you know, have been, the skills, mm. they, they inherited it from, I don't know, their forefathers, mm. right? And it's been touched by hand, mm. you know, that's the process. That is luxury, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to still be able to say that I actually know who made the garment. You know, yes. you can still, you know, it's that piece, that fabric, that material, that process that's been touched by hand is mm -hmm. valuable today exactly. in a world where there's so much mechanization of the process. You know, there's so much, you know, um, and don't get me wrong. I have nothing against industrialization like yeah. that. But, you yeah. know, to be able to still have that is something that's super precious today Absolutely. and we must talk about it. And we have to talk it. about it. We have to protect it. Mm -hmm. We have to be mindful of it. We have to encourage as many people as possible to mm -hmm. still, you know, if that's how they want to operate their businesses, mm -hmm. that's fine, you know, to be a part of that process that's still intimate, that's still small enough, that mm -hmm. you can control everyone within that community, the weavers, the artisans, the craftsmen, you know. So I think um, from, that, from that angle, being... 
from that angle, being able to create products, right, mm. that um, either culturally that speaks to the culture and preservation mm. of culture or speaks to preservation of craftsmanship and in the process is able to create jobs for people, create wealth, you know, is mindful of the communities and, you know, it is luxury. Yeah. So not luxury in the sense that it's not affordable. Yes. You know, I think that's a problem. A lot of people think the fact that something's got a sustainability label attached mm. to it means it's so pricey and mm. beyond them. But you should pay more money yeah. for that. Yeah. You should, if someone's hand woven or hand, you know, stitched a bag or embroidered on something, that's human hands versus yeah. machine. Exactly. It's something that you know we need to place a premium on that. Yeah. So I don't belong to the school of thought that you know it should be so cheap at three pounds or mm. four pounds, like three pound. Because it's undervaluing people. Yes, you can undervalue so. people. And in the spirit of talking about redesigning value, we need to let people understand that no, actually, it took X number of man hours mm. to bead this, you know, intricate intricately embroidered dress or talk to or turban. To let me yeah or turban <laughs> you know like looking at all the pearls like you know people need to know that yeah. so no it's not something that's so far-fetched that mm. we cannot afford and it's not something that's so far removed from us you know we have access to it yeah. but you should celebrate the fact that it's still a it's still luxury to have or hold on to a garment or something that still you can still this traceability, you know, you can trace how many people work, you know, how many man hours, you know, what do they have to do? So, you know, the traceability is something that's super precious and very important mm -hmm. today. And I think that's the future. So, wow. Oh, gosh. Overconsumption. Oh, okay. So, um, for someone who works in the industry that you work in, right? You know, clothing glamorous stars who always have to make appearances. How do you think, mm. you know, that the work you do is contributing to reshaping their minds that it's, it's really okay? Yeah. You know, to yeah. the, the fact that you've been photographed in this dress or this outfit yeah. doesn't mean you can't be seen again in wearing it. it. You know, I'm wearing it's... an outfit. I've done an interview mm -hmm. in this same look mm -hmm. before, but you know this whole thing about buying about gratification yeah. instant gratification can you tell us a bit more about you know how you educate people at that level because they can afford it don't get me wrong so you're not talking to people who are yeah. you know they have the income they have yeah. the budget they have mm. everything so why and how are you able to con convince them mm. that you know it's okay to opt for this approach Okay, so wow, this is really getting into it. So um, overconsumption. So with red carpet green dress, we have this red carpet platform at the Oscars. And like I think I said before, we see it as this mainstream platform to have a sustainable conversation. Mm -hmm. When we started, there weren't many people asking questions about sustainable fashion. In fact, we were probably the only gown that year when Susie and Jim did it. And at that point, people thought sustainability just looked like hemp. They were like, oh, is it made from hemp? That was their understanding of it. So for us, the Oscars platform, and, and when you say about the clothing, so for people who don't know how it works, we collaborate with fashion houses to dress talent sustainably. So in gowns and suits that are made sustainably, interpreted in different mm -hmm. ways, whether it's vintage, plant-based, natural dyes, zero waste, upcycled, recycled, you name it. It's all about how we can communicate sustainability. So these pieces for us are not pieces that have been created to encourage people to buy fashion. They're pieces that have been created to encourage people to talk about how we're making fashion yep. and how we need to do that differently. So, for example, the year that we worked with Emma Roberts, she wore an Armani vintage piece, which was from his first collection. And actually, that was one of our biggest years with regards to press impact. 
But the whole message of that was we need to look at what we already have. As much as making new clothes sustainably is crucial, so for example, we need to be looking at diversifying our textiles, we need to be looking at certified materials, we need to be looking at natural dyes because synthetic dyes are extremely harmful and mm -hmm. in some cases carcinogenic. There's a whole conversation about how we're making clothes newly, sustainably. But that was an example of how we should look at what's already existing. And a big part of sustainability is pre-loved clothing. Yep. It's stuff that's already been made that we've forgotten about. So the overconsumption thing's interesting because in a way you look at the red carpet and you're inspired by that and you look at it as an exciting platform for fashion. But that's not what it's about for us. It's not a platform to sell fashion. Our interviews are focused on how fashion is being made and how we need to make fashion differently to be more sustainable. So when the talent is interviewed, they're talking about this is a natural dye and this is important because synthetic dyes have this impact on the water. Or they're talking about the lining of this dress is recycled and that's important because waste is a big part of the conversation. So even though we have a mainstream platform, our message is really about yeah. education yeah, and empowering. the narrative so people don't see that dress yes. and think that's sending a message to go out and yes. buy. Yes, it's, you know? it's them thinking, oh, well, I didn't know that about yeah. the textiles. I didn't know that about the dye. So that's kind of how we do it. It's not about consumption. It's about education. And I think that needs to be re-emphasized because yeah. a lot of people, I mean, the sole reason why some designers want to get it on the back of a celebrity is because yeah. it creates a scramble for that particular product right. and it gets people on this, you know, to buy and keep buying and exactly. keep buying. So it's really important the work you do. So people do know that you can also use this as a tool. It's an for, educational yeah, tool, yeah, exactly. Definitely. Wait, let me pick one for you. Okay, so, oh gosh, on that, the power of celebrity. Oh. <laughs> this is a nice segue. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so I think, um, in the past, in the last, I mean, forever, mm. we all know the reason why the celebrity endorsement mm. is to create this whole buying frenzy across the world for a particular product, mm. you know, which is why I think the work that you do or, you know, the work that we do, you yeah. know, why we would want to do it is to be able to tell a story, yeah. you know, for people to be able to say, I'm actually wearing this suit that's by Emi Kasbit, mm. you know, and Emi Kasbit is Nigerian from XYZ, mm. who's made this from, you know, mm. XYZ to be able to talk about the mm. process and the people. Mm. And, you know, I remember there was a year we actually, you know, made a video with mm. women who actually read this so people can connect it. So it's no longer something that you read about, but it becomes, you know, you listen to them tell you that the work that this designer does, this is what it does to our community. Wow. So, and I think that's what, you know, there needs to be a shift, mm. you know, in the sense that how can we use these voices mm. as a tool for change? You exactly. know, how can they speak to what's really important today to redesigning value, to redefining what value means mm. and not just so to, you know, celebrity endorsements and, and oh, that's why the celebrities out. themselves matter so much yeah. who you're they choosing do. very important because they're the vessel like with red carpet we've tried to use and choose talent that represents diverse communities like lakeith stanfield was in get out he spoke to the black community yeah. about sustainability through his own lens how he yeah. grew up yeah. you know so it's kind of how who are we choosing mm -hmm. because when we choose a, a, a specific, narrowly defined group, it makes it look like this is the messenger for sustainability. No. Whereas if we choose varied people that represent different groups, Muslim women, black men, um, I don't like the phrase plus size, but different body shapes to communicate the message, it means that I'm speaking to you. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. speaking to you and I'm speaking to you. Yeah, and then it becomes feels, an open conversation. sense of connection to that. I love that. Can, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really important mm. and um, I guess... Um, but the season that we're in, mm. it's it's great to see this happening and yeah. hopefully to see more of stuff like this. So I'm going to pick your last <gasps> one. Okay. Yay. 
Da, 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 da. Oh, this is interesting. Um, changing perceptions, but it does sound like what I, we've been talking about. I feel about. like we've done that. Yeah, I feel so like we've tackled that one. Let's work. let's let's yeah, let's, let's go dive for something back else. in. Yeah. Okay. Fashion or clothing? <gasps> okay. That's a question itself. So I'm not going to ask yeah. you a question from it. Fashion or clothing? Clothing. And the reason I say that is because I believe I'm a strong believer in the power of language mm -hmm. to create conversation mm -hmm. or to create barriers to conversation. And as someone who's worked in fashion, I've noticed that when I meet people who don't work in fashion and I say, oh, this is what I do, their normal reaction is, oh, my gosh, that sounds so glamorous. I would take myself too seriously to think about fashion or like, what is it like going to fashion week? I can't even imagine. I'm just, you know, I don't have time for things like that. Um, and I think that that is an immediate barrier to you and I connecting about clothing and how we're all part of this global dialogue. Yes. And I think when you say the word clothing, it becomes a normal word because everybody can relate, can relate to clothing. Yes. We're all wearing clothing every single day. There's no barrier here. You've got clothing. I've got clothing. And then we can start talking about, well, did you know that the way that clothing is being made is impacting X, Y, Z? And for me, connecting the dots between anyone I speak to. So I always have like, a, I have a game I play with my friends. I'm like, tell me an area of interest to you. And they'll be like, oh, the ocean. I'm like, well, did you know that fashion, you know, fashion creates um, a lot of synthetic materials and the microfibers and filaments from that come out into the washing machine. And filters the sea and ocean, and that impacts comes marine back to the life. Water you drink. Comes back to the water you drink. It comes wow. back to marine life. And I give me another one, you know. And it's amazing that you can connect fashion, but to clothing to everything. So language has this power, and I think we need to be using language in a way that is a lot more unifying. I love terminology. Don't get me wrong. I think regenerative agriculture is important. I think circular economy is important. But I think that we need to pare it back a bit because mm -hmm. if we want to bring people in, we need them to understand what we're talking about yeah. if I say to you waste is only waste if you waste it that is the circular economy but that's in a way that you and I can be like yeah of course like yeah of course waste is only waste if you waste it so with fashion and clothes I choose clothes if I want to create and bond with somebody because I feel like that takes away the distance that fashion can create and it means that we're more likely to have a conversation where we both learn something from each other that's amazing um, reflecting on, I guess, just where I feel hopeful, because obviously this has been quite a shocking year for most of us, and so this isn't a normal year, but it has forced me to be a lot more reflective and slow down and think about what I have to look forward to in the coming years. And I have to say that the conversations that we're having in a, as an industry feel a lot more vulnerable and a lot more honest. And I think that that is kind of the breaking of a shell that will hopefully lead us to a space where we can talk truthfully about what we're struggling with and where we can talk about what matters to us and what we value in our respective roles. So for example, with red carpet, green dress, I've been able to have really honest conversations with the independent designers we work with about the challenges that they face this year. And it's reminded me why what we're doing is important. And it's almost refocused me on why I'm doing what I'm doing and why sustainability is a topic that we cannot afford to let slip into the background. You know, for lockdown, so many people were sat at home if they were fortunate enough to be able to do that. Because obviously I know not everyone had the luxury of sitting at home. But the reflection that it forced is something I'm hopeful will lead us to a new normal. You keep hearing people talking about God, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. But we can't get back to normal because normal wasn't working. 50,000 collections a year wasn't working. 
you know, uh, garment workers being paid 0.5% of the retail value of a good wasn't mm. working. Companies being able to produce the raw materials but not having the infrastructure to produce the finished product wasn't working. So I'm hopeful that we're redefining normal and that in this new normal, value will be placed on people a lot more than it has been in the past. Wow. That's yeah. profound. Thank you. What so, about you? What I think you for me, about? I'm going to start from, you know, that question you asked, that when, what was that moment? Mm. And I think it was about four years ago when we decided that something wasn't working. Mm. And, you know, we thought to come up with this reshaping Africa and shaping fashion's future. Mm. And it was a moment of reflection for us to go back again to the drawing board to, you know, ask ourselves why everything we're doing wasn't, didn't seem to be working in the direction, at least, that we're hoping would strengthen the ecosystem. Mm. And, you know, that's what gave birth to some of the things we're working on today, like green access with the young designers and, you know, equipping them, you know, even if it's a a few workshops here and there on teaching them a bit more about, you know, the circular economy and re reusing, repurposing, repurposing and recycling, you know, yeah. doing a bit more, you know, with, you know, the need to tell our stories yes. and to encourage the designers that, listen, you're doing the right thing, yeah. you know. So for years, it's looked like, you know, we need to model what we're doing on the continent with what's happening here. Exactly. But guess what? The rewiring fashion proposal by Business of Fashion, which brought together very mm. powerful, you know, a group of people together to rethink, you know, what are we doing? Mm. If you mirror that to what some of the practices on the practice on the continent's been, mm. that's what we've been doing. Yeah. That's what we've been preaching. That's yeah. what we've been encouraging designers to do. Don't get me wrong. Sustainability in Nigeria or, in, you know, is probably different from what it is or what it would be in different parts of the world. But I'm optimistic that, you know, something that, we felt that we needed to lead with. And this reawakening came to us about four weeks ago, as tiny as the platform is, is part of some of the most pressing conversations today that yeah. the whole world is having, you know? That gives me a sense of hope that, listen, you know, maybe, maybe we are on the right track, Absolutely. you know? Maybe that desire to get designers to look inwards, to ask ourselves, what do we really have, you know? You know, to ask ourselves, you know, what's in your hands? What do we have? How do we create magic out of this? How do we give meaning? How do we give purpose to, you know, a, a bunch of silk threads or woven cotton threads from different parts of the continent? And that gives me a sense of hope that not only can we share who we are with the people, but we can also, we can also tell them where we're coming from. And we're coming from a place where value to us means the people. Where value for us means the process. Where value for us means, you know, being able to be mindful of everybody that we work with and to be able to to do more Absolutely. so and in doing more not to encourage people that you know with this monolithic you know or this keeps it where did that word come from in the last two days you know not just to encourage people to buy african fashion but to know why they're choosing to buy african fashion Brilliant. because you'll be holding something that's incredibly beautiful so it's been really, really incredible meeting you and just getting to know a bit more. I mean, you read so much about people, yeah. but then, you know, actually connecting with the person. I mean, it seems like such a short time, but yeah. we've covered such a lot that um, I'm really quite inspired more by what you do because, you know, there's nothing more instrumental in the world we live in today than to be a voice of change and a voice for change. Mm. And being able to, you know, straddle that world where, I mean, 
the people who get the most um, the most audience in terms of you know what they wear you know to be able to use them as a tool for change is something that's incredibly powerful so learning how you do that and you know and learning a bit more that is it's not just about clothing them it's not just about doing this it's you know the deeper process and the meaning behind it like the different topics from by the diversity to sustainability to you know it's 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 important and understanding now i know why that's so in, important to you because education is something that you value mm -hmm. and you see education as um you know you see education as a tool for just you know paradigm yeah. shift you know creating that sort of so it's um it's something that i'm you know i'm i'm so happy that i had this uh, and i hope it doesn't stop here because no, <laughs> definitely too. i will be bugging you like you know for your thought process or leadership thoughts and you know xyz so i'm super super glad to be in this moment and of course mm. i have to thank the global fashion agenda for making this happen yes. you know not just meeting you mm. but this whole <clears throat> it's interesting that this whole approach we could have been behind our computers now yeah. and just you know on another zoom call and we yeah. won't connect but being in person mm. going through this process i've definitely definitely connected and i really do admire what you're doing mm. you know and as a woman to a woman you know combining all of this with your everyday life you know raising a family in 2020 and it's a lot so wow. well done ceo oh, your my face is burning no, honestly <laughs> and we need to hear more stories about women like you who are advocates of change and advocates for change thank you that that's like flooring to me because i honestly i'm so immeasurably overwhelmed and inspired by you because of not just because of what you've built but because i understand the resilience that it takes to build what you've built and just the sheer at times dogged self-belief to just stay committed and stay the course in the face of so many obstacles and what inspires me so much about what you do is the care that you have for building legacy for others you're not just building a legacy for yourself with all of your platforms from Lagos Fashion Week to your agency, but you're helping individuals build brands and build legacies for themselves. And this is what we need. We don't need to just have this kind of circular, circular kind of in and out of brands where it's kind of this brand's hot today and they're gone tomorrow. What, it, what I can see from everything you've said is that you're so committed to creating a solid foundation for brands to grow and flourish and be here 10 years from now, 20 years from now, like equipping them with the tools that as a designer, when I was trying to design and I wish I had what you provide. Wow. Well, because I, that's how important it is. So I think the global fashion agenda for me, what they're so good at is bringing people like you into the forefront because we need to learn from the leadership that you're demonstrating and it needs to be broadcast around the world. So I'm just grateful for the time that we've had together I'm talking. Thank you. And I can't <laughs> take credit for all of that because, you know, I work with an amazing yeah. group of people, mm. women, men, you know, young people yes. constantly ideating. You know, we collaborate on a daily basis. People who sometimes you just say you're tired and you've had enough and they're just like, there to I've got inspire. This. Yeah. So I honestly can't take you know but I, i'm thankful for this i'm thankful for this moment you know mm. to be here in the same place with a woman a woman of color like yourself who's leading a revolution at a time like this for a time like this it's something i'm going to take away with me for this so me too you guys have to lovely. cut i'm yeah. gonna well up i know i'm about to <laughs> sorry i can't have my makeup running <laughs> it will be a mess that's so, amazing dear yeah, thank you